Steve and Justin use YCharts for their winning investment research. So start your free trial now. And if you purchase, mention InvestTalk and get a generous discount at YCharts.com. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, investors. Welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Monday, March 4th, 2019 edition of Invest Talk. Once again, I'm Justin Klein, and thank you for joining me today. And I hope you will also call me with your investing and finance related questions. Having said that, I admit that there is no requirement that you call, but if you do participate, in our efforts, then we can direct the topics and the discussion in the best way possible to not only benefit you, the listener, but probably our broader audience. Because if you have a particular type of question, especially a broad question, you know, not a stock specific question, which those are okay too, uh, you're probably asking a question that many other investors are wondering about as well. So we can shape the show to your liking, but we need your active engagement. And remember, our goal here on Invest Talk is to help you achieve your financial freedom. Not just a financial freedom, but your specific type of financial freedom that is defined by you. And we do that by making you a better investor, a better saver, just a better decision maker with your money overall. Now, we do this by using a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. That's how we operate at KP Financial, our registered investment advisory firm. But we also operate that way here on InvestTalk. We want to share the success with you. Now, when you think about it, financial freedom is defined by each person their own way. And our job here is to help you define that as well. We want you to live and work and play in a comfort zone to where your economic circumstances are stable, well-funded, and you can do what you want to do as opposed to what you have to do. And that is simply a definition of financial freedom. Now, today in this hour, I'm going to do my best to help you get there one step at a time. And along the way, I hope you will participate once again by calling with your questions. Now, our Anytime listener line is open now, and I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Hello, Steve or Justin. I was calling about information concerning a self-directed 401k plan. I was wondering what the best individual 401k plan was, or if that's maybe a SEP 401k plan. Look forward to hearing your response, and this is for an individual business. Thank you. Got it. So there there are different types of what we call defined contribution plans. Now there's defined pension plans, or sorry, defined benefit plans, which would be like a pension Right? But most of the world, when it comes to saving, is moving towards a defined contribution, which is a known contribution to a particular type of account, 
Uh, now, depending on your business, uh, I think SEP IRAs are the best because you can put up to at least $55,000 a year, a certain percentage of your revenue. Uh, you know, this is a hard question to answer unless I understand your economic circumstances of your business and tax uh, base as well and whether you have any employees. Um, so if you, you could also do a, what is called a solo 401k. That's an option as well. I can get into the, 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 um, you know, specifics, but I would say reach out to me directly through investtalk.com. Uh, you'll see contact Justin, contact Steve item, put in your information, say you, you're asking about this, uh, put in your phone number, email address, and I will give you a call and we can discuss in a little more detail and figure out which one is best for you. So I can't say, oh, this one is the best one. It just depends on each company's situation, each individual situation, okay? But thanks for the call. I'm glad you're thinking about it, though. It's uh, it's it's much better than a regular IRA or Roth IRA because your contribution limits are much, much higher, which is a great thing. Now, word, out, word is out that AT&T is planning to lay off a bunch of people from its merge units of its Time Warner acquisition. It just got approval uh, from regulators to merge those two units and Warner Media is reorganizing and forming a new leadership team under its new AT&T parent and it's going to be a direct consumer unit that will combine HBO, TNT, TBS, True TV uh, and just with most mergers there needs to be some sort of what is called synergies and typically synergies mean layoffs, you know, lower cost. And that's part of the process to realign the company's posture going forward. And this new AT&T Time Warner Media Giant is going to try to compete with the likes of Netflix and Amazon and Apple and Comcast, Disney. And they're going to create a new streaming service. And I think this is a big threat to a lot of those other companies because of just what HBO is. Think of Game of Thrones and all of the great content that HBO has created over the years and frankly uh, is still creating. So I think uh, this is a great thing for AT&T uh, and, and the, the heft and consistent uh, cash flow that uh, will be brought in by the AT&T side of the business to help fund the growth of this media giant that is the new AT&T Time Warner. I think is a, a big threat to the likes of Netflix and uh, Disney and a lot of the other uh, content producers out there. So I think that's a big news story that everyone should be watching. Now, Gap, L Brands, and JCPenney are all closing stores, 500 in total. This is evidence of an ongoing retail, what do you call it? Ice Age, I guess you would call it. However, not all brick-and-mortar operations are doing poorly. TJ Maxx and Marshalls are doing the budget ones, right? You think of the wealth gap between the rich and poor. Well, you know, the 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 people that are struggling aren't going to the, the name brands, right? They're buying the name brands at, uh, you know, off-price uh, retailers like TJ Maxx and Marshalls, etc. So... Uh, they're still doing very well. Foot Locker, interesting, is also doing very, very well. And another retailer is alive and thriving, William & Sonoma. They now get 50% of their sales online. And this is a great example of how 
retailers need to be able to pivot online. Just how it is. If you can't pivot a good portion of your business online, create that uh, create that experience that consumers are looking for, then you're going to be left behind. So I think that's going to be, that's really interesting to see who the winners and losers are. And William Sonoma is a great example of a company that really is getting it right in an environment that is you know having some trouble. I'm not saying you go buy William Sonoma, but it's an example of how you can still you grow your business if you're a retailer. Now there's also trade optimism that is fueling stocks, but you know the market really failed today. I think the trade war settlement is going to actually be one of those buy the rumor, sell the news type of events. Um, will there be an agreement? I do think there will be. Will it be some overarching, amazing deal that solves all the trade problems between the U.S. and China? I'm going to say no. Will it be a positive step? I do think so, but I think a lot of that is priced in. You know, you've had the recent rally in the market, uh, and I do think this is going to be a buy the rumor, sell the news type of event. So, so far, no. Uh, there's been no real, it's just been all talk and positivity, which is good, right? But it's still, I think, going to be dragged out to the very last end. Uh, and I don't see this as a catalyst for a huge market move because I think a lot of it is priced in and the market kind of expects them to come to some sort of reasonable deal. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we are counting down the hours until Steve's full day of full, no-cost portfolio review consultations in San Jose. He will be sitting down with listeners and clients to look at their portfolios and suggest ways to maximize its performance. And they'll be happening on Wednesday. It's in two days. Space is limited, but I think there may be one or two appointments remaining. So register soon at InvestTalk.com. Now I'm taking your questions live right now at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk, and it's already March. And now more than ever, you still want unbiased investing guidance, right? Of course you do, because it can help you achieve financial freedom. Justin Klein is here now, taking your calls live. So step up with your questions, 888-99-CHART. Now, our main talking point today is about the ride-sharing operator Lyft and its IPO that is expected to hit the market this year, initial public offering. Uh, it looks like it's going to be valued by about $20 billion, so we're going to dig into that is this a good idea to invest in? Some details about the company, etc. I also want to, I haven't talked about Tesla in a long, long time. Uh, if you've been listening to the podcast or the radio show for uh, any length of time, you'll you'll probably know that I've been a huge critic of, uh, of Elon Musk and his uh, operation of, of Tesla uh, and the way he's run it, as well as the way he's just thumbed his nose to all types of sound regulation that's been around for decades 
uh, around public companies. Uh, and he recently violated his settlement, his fraud settlement. Yes, fraud. Elon Musk did create, did, did commit fraud. Uh, and he uh, is likely going to suffer some repercussions now. What that will be, it probably won't be known for another week or two. But bottom line is, if you understand with a recent news of the company, I'm going to talk a little bit about that, and why I think the end of the Tesla saga, which is really an embarrassment for the public markets and the SEC, is near an end. And I'm talking within months, I think Tesla will be bankrupt in a reorganization. And, uh, you know, what happens from there, I think will be very, very interesting. So we're going to talk about that. I also want to touch on uh, some transcripts from recent earnings reports. Uh, JP Morgan came out with a uh, a, a list of statistics on the types of things that CEOs, CFOs were discussing on earnings calls and what that means for S&P 500 and earnings uh, and the market going forward. So we're going to talk about that. And if we have time, I want to talk about modern monetary theory. This is a an idea that is getting more traction, more discussion. And if we have time, maybe I'll dig into that and kind of what I think. All right. So that's what's on my mind. That's what I want to talk about. But ultimately, I want to talk about what's on your mind. So give me a call. I want to hear from you, 888-99-CHART. That's how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, the market today was down. You know, we started up on the rumors of the trade uh, news. And frankly, we sold off. Let me take a quick look at shorter term uh, chart real quick and we almost sold off pretty much from the beginning we had it we, we gapped up based on the whole China trade deal news and we sold off almost immediately we got a little bounce later in the day but ultimately I do think this bear market rally is very near an end very near an end uh, and I think we may have another couple weeks but I think you'll see a down move in the markets over the next uh, month or so and where that goes how much volume there is i think will be a big factor in deciding whether this is uh bear market's going to continue now i know it's hard to believe but we're already into march and there may there has been plenty of market news and data to consider and if any of the information discussed on today's program raises further questions in your mind with regard to how the market news may affect your portfolio, I encourage you to sit down with Steve and reach out to uh, myself or Steve. We are wrapping up our Monday, and in just two days, InvestTalk's Steve Peasley will be meeting with listeners in San Jose. There might still be time for you to book a no-cost, one-on-one portfolio review consultation with Steve. You'll find details at investtalk.com. And now Justin is here, taking your calls live, so get your questions in, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Kent in Texas. He's asking about bonds. How you doing, Kent? I'm fine, Justin. Thanks for taking my call. What I'm wondering, Justin, I've run across on corporate bonds is a metric called yield to worst. W-O-R-S-E. Mm -hmm. It's usually accompanied with mm -hmm. yield to maturity. 
And I think I understand yeah. it, but can you clarify me or give me a little color on that? Sure. Yield the worst tends to have to do uh, with the the ability for the company to call that bond away from you. Okay. So let's say you you bought that bond and you're expecting this this high yield, right? It's yielding a coupon of seven percent, but in a year, they have the ability to call that bond away and stop paying you your money, right? So based on that, what is the worst yield that you could get for that particular bond? So when we're looking at bonds for clients, see we build laddered bond portfolios uh, in our stable income program as well as our balanced income program. So we, we, we do own a, a lot of bonds for clients. Uh, and that's the metric we use. We don't look at yield to maturity. We look at yield to worst because it it plays uh, or it factors in the call options that um, you know are, are sometimes attached to bonds. And do they normally pay? Um, and I've had them do this before. Pay you a premium if they do call it. They. Yeah, they they'll give you some sort of premium, but you don't know what that is. You don't know um, you don't know what that is. So, um, and so yeah, that's there's usually not the some premium, and that doesn't have anything to do with that metric. No, no. But if okay. you are filtering for the yield on bonds, you want to be looking at yield to worst. Okay, good. That's what I was wanting to know. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. No problem, Kent. Thanks for calling. Now, our main talking point today is ride-sharing operator Lyft lost uh, about $911 million last year, but they're going to IPO this year and expected to be worth between $20 to $25 billion upon its IPO. Now, there's some good things about the Lyft business, and there's some bad things. Well, the bad is obviously they lost uh, almost a billion dollars on $2.1 billion in revenue last year, but their mar market share has increased. It went from 17% of the ride-sharing market, obviously Uber had the vast majority of that before, and now they're up to 39%. Still, Uber is the majority, but... They're a much uh, bigger foe, Lyft is, anyway. Uh, part of that is pricing. Uh, that's one of the reasons they lost money. Uh, their revenue or their revenue doubled from 2017 to $2.2 billion. Bookings rose to $8.1 billion, an increase of 76% over 2017. And Uber is going to release its, its IPO, and they're expected to seek a valuation of about $120 billion, so much higher than Lyft. Um, you know, there's some other metrics like average revenue uh, per active user. That's been a little, hasn't grown quite as much as, as revenue. Um, but the bottom line is, is Uber or are, are Uber and Lyft going to be good IPO investments? Now, if you listen to the show for any length of time, typically we don't like IPOs. Why do we not like IPOs? Because the very, if you understand what an IPO is, you will understand that the people that are selling or the entities that are selling you the shares are unlikely to do so at a poor price, right? They're likely going to be selling you shares at a very attractive price for them. Why? Because 
an IPO before the IPO, they're a private company owned by a small select number of shareholders. And when they go IPO, it's the insiders, the people that have been running the company for, since early on, typically, and have a large percent of their net worth tied up in the stock. And they're selling to maybe diversify their portfolio, but they're not going to do it at a cheap price for you, the investor. They want a very attractive price, right? Naturally. So that is why typically IPOs are overvalued. Now, I typically like to wait for the initial pop. You'll see a rally in the stock, typically with three to six months. And then there's the lockup period. The lockup period is where a certain number of uh, uh, employees or people that buy the stock uh, in the IPO can now sell. And that creates a lot of natural sellers, brings the stock price down. And it's called a busted IPO. And a lot of times, those are are, are good investments if you you know still see the business progressing after a couple years, right? A lot of times GoPro did this, uh, where the company just throws their products into every distribution channel they can get to boost the sales, boost everything, and it makes it look really good. And GoPro did this, for example, and got this huge valuation based on sales that were kind of not really sales; they were iffy, right? So. Seeing a company stabilize and grow two, three years after an IPO, after maybe the busted IPO, that's a much better time to be investing in an IPO. So that's why I wouldn't be investing in Lyft and Uber upon their IPO. You know what my husband and I really want? I mean, after years of working and saving and investing, we want financial freedom. Financial freedom to do and live as we want, without worry. But our old 401k plan, it's out of date. It can't truly be working for us. You're listening to someone who would benefit from a personalized portfolio review, the kind of unbiased advice and sensible investment strategies offered in a no-cost preliminary consultation by KPP Financial. Sure, we feel confident about some of our investment decisions over the years, but retirement will get here someday, and we should cover our bases now. Get a valuable second opinion on your current financial picture. And KPP Financial doesn't impose unnecessary products or services, so you can make informed decisions with your money. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking and shared success. Take the next step toward your financial freedom. Contact KPP Financial. KPP Financial. Okay. Learn more anytime at kppfinancial.com. This is Invest Talk. Are you doing everything possible to make sure that your investments are performing as well as they should be? Well, there's a treasure trove of wealth building information freely accessible right now at investtalk.com. You'll find investment strategies and unbiased guidance. The phone lines are open, Justin's here, and he's ready for your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve, it's Joe from Daytona. I had a quick question. I've got about $12,000 in an IRA that I had brought over from a, from a company 401k, and I've got it in a TD Ameritrade account. I've, uh, I've got 
majority in small mid-cap stocks. Uh, listen to the show, love your show, take suggestions when I can. And I had a question, how much cash um, should I keep as we go into 2019? I'm, I'm kind of sold off with this latest run, some of the earnings that I've got, and, I'm, and I'm, I've got about 20% in cash. Just wondering how much I should keep in cash. I mean, just that is not used, that is not you know, purchasing stocks at the time. So just on the show and uh, appreciate what you guys are doing. I enjoy my uh, morning routine with it. Thanks. Bye. All right. Well, you know, asset allocation decisions are always difficult to answer on the show uh, because I don't know your risk tolerance, what your strategy is. Are you buying? It sounds like you're buying individual stocks. Um, you know, exposure to certain sectors it can be a good thing right now. Uh, you know, especially areas like uh, gold miners. Uh, um, a, a lot of commodity uh, type names that I, I, I like right now. Um, some home builders are, are good. Utilities, um, REITs, etc. So if you're focused on the right sectors, your cash position doesn't need to be very high. So I rather focus more on what areas of the marketplace should you be investing in? Should be you be uh, increasing your allocation to, and which areas of the marketplace should you be lowering your allocation to? And you know those would be financials and uh, industrials and anything that's uh, pretty cyclical, right? So that's that's my thought process. Um, it's hard for me to tell you exactly these are the names that are, are these are the level of cash that you should be in. Uh, I would just say you should have more cash than average, um, but what you really need to focus on is developing your strategy. What's your, what's your strategy uh, is in the near term, medium term, and long term as well. Okay, and, and fine tuning that. And that always involves some sort of cash management component. But that could be large uh, if you are a very conservative investor. And it may be relatively small uh, on average if you're a more aggressive investor. So I hope that helps you understand your, your level of cash uh, that you should have in your portfolio. Now let's talk a little bit about my favorite company to, to follow, which is Tesla. And the SEC is now in a difficult situation. Uh, and it was clear that they've filed contempt uh, request with the judge uh, in regards to the settlement that the SEC entered with Elon Musk in regards to his very fr blatantly fraudulent tweet uh, late last year about uh, a buyout of Tesla for somewhere around $65 billion. Uh, it turns out that was completely fabricated. There was no basis for it. And which is, frankly, a very open and shut case of fraud. So Elon Musk is a, f a fraudster. <laughs> uh, it's really no two ways about it. Um, now, this is just one part of the problem with Tesla. They uh, recently announced that they are going online only, which I think is very interesting when it comes to uh, how you sell cars. But it just, to me, it goes to show you how good Elon is with PR and marketing spin. 
This is a company that is running out of money. That's what this is. This is a company that can no longer employ their salespeople, and they're going to try to they're going to try to squeeze out as much sales as they can online without having to pay these salespeople. And in a small way, it might work, but that's this isn't a strategic decision. This is a decision out of necessity. They are in a massive liquidity crunch. They just had to post a billion dollars to repay a bond. And I think they're under a billion dollars in cash uh, available to them to run the company. And they're burning tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars a month when it comes to their operations, especially now that demand is really uh, falling off a cliff, especially here in the United States. And that's one of the reasons why they've dropped the price of the Model 3 three times so far this year, which is making you know customers that had bought it mad. Um, but it's showing you that the demand is gone for the Model 3. Not gone, but greatly reduced from where it was in the second half of last year. So this is great spin by Elon. This is fantastic uh, marketing ploy by Elon. But let's call this what it is. This is a company that is needs to file bankruptcy. It needs to go into a reorganization stage. But Elon is just too narcissistic and egomaniacal to admit the situation that he's in. This is why executives are leaving. This is why their lead counsel that was hired just a couple months ago from a very reputable law firm left within weeks of coming aboard because he saw what a catastrophe it is inside of the company. I've said this for a while. Tesla is the worst run corporation in corporate America of any public company that's out there. This is a penny stock valued at $50 billion. Okay. And it's not going to be valued by $50 billion much longer because this is a company that cannot raise capital because of their SEC problems that are directly related to Elon's activity. And the end of the Tesla saga is near. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and I hope you are making the right choices with the money in your 401k. Now, candidly speaking, unless you have a lot of time to study fundamentals and trends and understand mutual funds and how the fees and, uh, and, and uh, performance works, it's very difficult to know how to allocate your particular 401k account, especially within the context of your own plan, your own choices. So we do have... A solution for you. It's called Active 401k, and you can read more about it at investtalk.com. Now, I'm taking your questions live, so you can give me a call right now. We have about 15 minutes left in the show, so I urge you to get your call in sooner rather than later at 888 chart. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. InvestTalk listeners and KPP clients alike are invited to take advantage of the many products and services of KPP Financial. For example, the InvestTalk radio program and its podcast replays, the new online training experience, InvestTalk Academy, and the KPP premium newsletter, 
distributed to subscribers each Friday. Learn more anytime at investtalk.com. The phone lines are open now, and you can call with your questions. 888-99-CHART. Hey, Steve. Hey, Justin. This is John from Michigan. Hey, I don't have any bond exposure right now, and I am looking to add some. Specifically, I've heard several people posit the the theory that uh, rates are going to eventually come down and stay low for a long time. And if that ends up being the case, I want to try and take advantage of that by buying some long-term treasuries. I'm looking at the ETF TLT. If that theory actually comes to pass and rates do continue down over the the next number of years, say the next decade, will that rise in sympathy with that as bonds do when rates go down? Uh, Would that be a good way to capture that? And if not, why not? Appreciate it. Uh, the simple answer is yes, it would be a great way to capture it. Now, TLT is the iShares 20-plus year treasury bond ETF. It, uh, you're buying long-term treasuries. And the bonds that rally the most when interest rates fall across the spectrum, all things being equal, are longer-dated treasuries. So this is the longest-dated ETF I, I know out there. So... TLT would be great if you are correct that bond yields will stay low for a very long time. Now, I think that's certainly possible. How the end of the the monetary experiment of QE and massive uh, deficits play out, I think, is going to be interesting. I it's 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 really hard to to know because there's definitely different lines of thinking. There's different there's different ways the market can digest the trends that we're on, right? A lot of the off-balance sheet liabilities like Medicare and Medicaid are now going to be coming on balance sheet, meaning, guess what? Baby boomers are retiring. The cost of Medicare and Social Security are going to rise, and that means debt is only going to increase. So our $22 trillion deficit will hit probably $30 trillion in not too distant future. And the cost of the debt in relation to uh, our GDP is likely going to hit 100% sometime in the next decade. And how the central banks and how the market handles that type of situation uh, is going to be very interesting. Uh, and it's probably the most pressing matter that we're going to face over the next 10 years is how do we reform our entitlements? How do we reform central banks and their recklessness? Uh, how will we handle the debt? And just the the mismanagement of our balance sheet that has really been building for the last 20 to 30 years. So uh, one possible outcome absolutely could be rates stay very low for a long time. But I think a lot of that has to do with inflation. Do do policymakers, I'm talking about central banks as well as uh, politicians, do they implement inflation increasing 
policies, or which I think is the case, is that QE comes back, QE4, QE5, and it actually becomes deflationary. So which way it goes, I don't know yet. I see two possible situations, but I don't see the current environment sticking around for too long because it's got to be break one way or the other. So yes, if you do think interest rates are going to stay low for a long time, TLT is a good way to go. Let's go to Palal in the Bay Area. He's asking about GDX. Hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks for making it. Hey, um, my question is more speculative than long term. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I'm trying new strategies with options, and uh, uh -huh. I was thinking about filling um, a put credit spread on GDX with the expiration okay. date in mid-April and uh, the long or uh, long put at uh, around 20.5. And I'm wondering if you if you would agree with that based on technicals. Okay, so are you you bullish GDX or? Correct. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think that uh, this will go much below about 2050. That's where the 100-day moving average is right now. Uh, the 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 uptrend in in GDX and in gold, I, I think, remain intact despite this recent pullback. Now we're we're at some support. We saw a nice bounce today. But I do really like this area of the marketplace. Continue to look for ways to increase our exposure to uh, the, the right gold miners. And GDX is a good way to just kind of play the whole space as a whole. So I, I do like uh, what, you're, what you're looking at. And I don't see it declining much more than about 2050. So that would be a great uh, area, I think, to place your strike. Okay, awesome. Thank you very much. That was easy. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for the call. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. We have about seven minutes left to get your call in, so I would do it sooner rather than later. Now, we are going into a break here in just a few, in just about a, a minute or so. Uh, but after the break, I want to touch on what J.P. Morgan uh, analysts have highlighted about 2,500 recent earnings transcripts, conference calls, and Q&A sessions for the S&P 500 index companies. So they're looking at all these different things for all the 500 companies that have announced earnings for Q4 of last year and what they're expecting for 2019. And what are the worries, what are the headwinds to uh, the economy as well as, as earnings. So we're going to get to that after the break and uh, what should matter for companies here in 2019. Now, this is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and the year seems to be moving as fast as the market. And for you, there are certain, certainly plenty of investment questions to consider. We still have about 10 minutes remaining in today's program, so you can get your question in now at 888-99-CHART. The next Invest Talk, it's been 10 years since the market bottom of March 2009. It's been a nicely profitable period for the Bulls, but for the Bears, not so much. 
Steve will break down the story tomorrow. But now Justin is here, ready with answers, and he's waiting for your calls. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Roger in Hayward. He's asking about cryptocurrencies. Yes, Justin. Uh, I'd like to know if uh, your take on cryptocurrency. I want to diversify. I'm thinking viewing it as an asset class, and I want to invest in it. Uh, all right. Well, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I don't think it's uh, investable at this time. Uh, I do think that the recent spark of, of Bitcoin and other cr cryptocurrencies has created uh, some energy around uh, the the ability to decentralize uh, our, our currencies and change the way uh, we transact uh, within our economy. Um, will there be some long-term developments that come out of this energy that changes how we buy and sell things 20, 30, 40 years from now? I think likely. Um, but how that plays out, uh, that could just be Visa being uh, th the platform that we, we transact in uh, 30 years from now only. Uh, it could be a cryptocurrency that's been invented and you know will develop the technology over a while to uh, become the big player. Uh, it could be Bitcoin. It could be a currency that doesn't even exist right now, a cryptocurrency that doesn't even exist. Um, so frankly, the technology is nowhere close to ready. It's so far away from ready, it's not even funny. So, to me, it's not a space that I'm actively looking at, actively investing in, and I would not be actively investing in it now. Should you keep an eye on it and monitor it on a regular basis over the next 20 or 30 years? Sure, because I do think there will be some innovations that come out of this, uh, some development maybe to add on top of blockchain, uh, and maybe it's a completely different technology that uh, allows cryptocurrencies to thrive and actually be used on a regular basis. Um, but in today's world, it's just simply not an option. Okay, Does that make sense, Thank Roger? You. No problem. Thanks for calling. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Now let's talk a little bit about the earnings reports of the S&P 500 over the last uh, last quarter. Now, strategists have been divided on what earnings are going to do this year due to trade tensions and uh, a less robust global economy. And now, Morgan Stanley's Mike Wilson says we're already in an earnings recession. Now, the average analyst is expecting earnings to fall this quarter, first quarter, uh, by around 1% or so. The GDP uh, by the Atlanta Fed GDP Now model says we're only going to grow about a half percent GDP so far this year. And typically those are pretty close to uh, similar trajectories, let's just say that. So you're seeing the GDP growth slow as well as the earnings picture slow. Now part of that has to do with the, the U.S. dollar strength. Uh, industrial companies, material staples, technology companies, those are all areas where the U.S. dollar is now a headwind. And 
it's expected to be going forward. Now, technology, hardware, and equipment companies are looking at problems in emerging markets. They're the ones, they're seeing issues there. China, especially, you're seeing a big slowdown in business activity. And the trade disputes are, are a wild card right now. Uh, technology companies, retail companies, auto companies, they discuss that issue a lot more. And while areas like materials, consumer staples, etc., they don't see that quite as much as they have in the past. They're not worried about it as much. So the, really the headwinds in the market are the stronger dollar, a slowing global economy, and somewhat of the headwinds from the trade war. So that's what's going on in the corporate world right now uh, and what CFOs, CEOs are talking about today. I'm Justin Klein, and that completes another Invest Talk program. I thank you for your loyal support and questions. Tomorrow's a new day, and you'll have lots of market questions, I'm sure. So please come back to us and give us a call. Have a nice evening, everybody. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.